before the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning <clears throat> for this beautiful day in which we can honor and worship you and give you glory. We thank you, Lord, for the sunshine and for also, too, the beautiful flowers that are budding and trees. And Father God, we come to you as the God of all the great creation. We think also, too, Lord, of how you are intimately involved with each one of our lives. That you even know the hairs on our heads and the, even the little molecules that make up our bodies. And we give you praise. Father God, we pray for our nation. We love it. It's a wonderful place. And yet, Father God, we know it's got difficulties and challenges and problems. We pray, Father God, that you'll raise up leaders who will take on those challenges and problems and, Lord, be guided by your wisdom and not their own, not by their selfish intrigues, but, Lord, because you have laid it out. Lord, we thank you for the fathers that we had of this nation that laid even out their own fortunes so that this country could be free. And they, went, they left the war broke because they gave everything. And yet, Lord, we are so grateful hundreds of years later to still receive all the benefits. Help our leaders to understand that. I pray, Father God, for a friend who's going through dialysis right now. I thank you too, Lord, for taking care of little Harper this week who stopped breathing in his home and we thank you that his mother was able to bring him back and that he's doing well. Give the doctors wisdom to understand what caused this. I pray for also a friend that died in the fire. And for his brother and for his family who will miss him, his wife. I pray, Lord, that we thank you um, for the hope that we have in Jesus. I pray also, too, for a wife, Heather, that you'll continue to work in her life. And I pray also, too, you'll bring people into her life who will hear what she needs to hear and will lead her. I pray also, too, for friends who are going through difficulties right now in their lives. We think of those who are in our church who are shut-ins who can't get out anymore. For Bill and Evelyn and Lucille and Karen and Kay and Joyce and Joyce who's had a, a bad week. And also we pray also for Everett who had surgery this week, Lord. And they found a spot on his lungs, but also that the uh, surgery went well and everything well. And now they pray that they can help them figure out what's going on in his lung and bring healing to it. I pray also, too, for Angie and Todd Ogile, for Todd and his heart and Angie with her cancer, and for also Samantha Mama and her cancer, and for Captain Stevens and his cancer and being back. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you give him strength and healing for him. I pray also, too, for the officer that had been in a chase and gotten an accident. We pray for his healing also. We pray, Heavenly Father, too, for <clears throat> uh, Nick and for his healing. And I pray also, too, Father God, for Sarah 
and for the challenges that she has for Howard, who's trying to find a home to buy. I just pray that you'll guide him this week. I pray also, too, for Ryan and for Jordan, who had to be hospitalized this week, and David and Eric and Richie and Mitch, who are battling addictions. I pray for Jordan for his healing and his restoration to get back home. And Father God, there's others on our hearts and our minds that we've been concerned about. People that we know that don't know you, and for those who even walked away from the church that seem now to be living like they don't know you either. I pray, Father God, give us those people that we can love them and we can share with them the message that they need to hear. And Father God, now we come to you with your word. It's so powerful. It has so much to say to our lives. Help us to hear what we need to hear today, Lord. Help us to make the changes that we need to make in our lives. And help us, Lord, to be inspired by your Holy Spirit to live for you every day, Christ. And it's in your name I pray this. Amen. Several years ago, if we all remember, we were watching the burst of the Challenger going into the sky. 73 seconds, we saw that just going right up, right up, and then all of a sudden, the explosion. Seven astronauts went into eternity at that moment. People around the world, and especially in the United States, we were all grieved at the accident that had happened there. NASA wanted, NASA wanted to know right away what had taken place. They viewed the footage of the video of watching it go up. We also saw them searching the Navy, searching the bottom of the sea of all the wreckage and finding what they could. But then there was also, we found out that there was a little mechanical error that was a real big mechanical error. There were warnings by engineers and scientists not to do the flight when they did. But we know political push and economics kind of pushed it that way. Some of those voices were ignored in that little O-ring that was susceptible in cold weather cost those seven people their lives. Devastation. People were upset and we know that not only was it a mechanical error, but it was human factor. The warnings were there, but people didn't listen. And in the investigation, they found out that if they would have heeded those voices, that would have never taken place. Well, in Exodus 32 through 34 today, we have a greater disaster. Thousands of people will lose their lives. Because people and leaders would not listen and would not follow their true heart of truth. And disaster would come on the children of Israel. Oh, they had heard the covenant and they were excited about the covenant, the Mosaic covenant. They had the Abrahamic covenant and now it was the Mosaic covenant. 
God had given them the Ten Commandments. And he also gave them a covenant. And yet, they found themselves as they were waiting for Moses to come down from the mountain impatient. <laughs> now, I know none of you have problems with patience. <laughs> and we see that idolatry is still very much alive and well in the 21st century that we're living in right now. And the children of Israel didn't obey God. And even their leaders didn't hear God's voice too well. And while Moses and Aaron and the 70 were up on the mountain, the children of Israel were acting beyond what they should have. Very tragic. Because three times before this, they had promised, oh God, we're going to obey you. Your promise is so great, we're going to follow your way. But the Lord knew their hearts. And so here we are. When the people saw Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up! Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him. And Aaron said to them, Take off your rings of gold that are in your ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off their rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf and said, These are the gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Moses heard about it, he called it the great sin. Here God's chosen people, his treasured people, people who were called out than all the other nations of the world to declare his glory, and they saw it. And how he led them through the Red Sea, how he delivered them in the night of the Passover, in the dark night in which the Egyptians lost their firstborn in their families. And they were covered. And how God had brought them out into the wilderness and was giving them the law and was giving them a place to let them know that he was going to be with them. All that was gone. Because Moses took a little bit longer, 40 days, than what they had allotted. They became impatient. And impatience, we all know, has to deal with how much we trust God. How much we really believe there's a purpose behind everything in life. You know and I know our impatience can see us to impulsive behavior. And this is what Israel does. They got tired of waiting and they wanted to have a God. Just like the Egyptians who they had around them all along. Somebody who was tangible. And they found themselves doing what they had totally said they would not do. 
God had said to them in the first commandment, shall have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any graven images. And here Israel was. I was reading about a study of Stanford University had children in grade school and how they did this study of longevity of young men and women from their grade school and how they would put a marshmallow on their desk. And they said, now do not eat that marshmallow until the teacher comes back and tells you to. Because she'll have a bigger surprise for you. Well, they had the cameras on. (laughs) Some of those kids were dancing and doing things. Some were pulling their hair to patiently wait. And there was others who said, they scooped it up and just threw it in their mouth. Interesting, they said that after that was all over and they showed the kids, the teacher came in and rewarded those who had still their marshmallow on their desk with two more marshmallows. And all the other kids that had eaten them were angry at them because they got ahead. And then they followed these people through their lives and they found out the ones that were more successful were the patient people. People who waited on things to happen and materialize and could hold themselves off. Even with the irritants. You know, we we talk about the oyster that has a piece of sand in it that works around it and covers it because it's an irritant, but it makes the pearl. They were willing to wait. And they did that with their lives. You see, Israel was not. They came to the point where they had enough time. They had been waiting for God and it didn't happen immediately. And it was waiting too long. And so they finally said, you know, we deserve to have God through come through us now. And so in the darkness of their sight, they scared. In fact, some of the commentators say that Aaron was afraid not to say yes to them. Because notice they say, get up. Make us gods. And he just fell right in line as a leader and followed them. Sometimes we can't see how dark our view is and the way we live. In fact, what happens is, and Joshua says from the mountain, he says, I think there's a war. There's a lot of noise down there. Oh, they were at war, right? They were frustrated. They were upset. They wanted to get the ball rolling. Come on, God, let's get with the program. And they took matters in their own hands and said, well, we deserve this. They weren't willing to wait. And because of their unwillingness to wait, they create for themselves an idol that came in the image of this calf. They committed a grave sin to God. And God was ticked. Here the first commandment, they blew out. He heard the noise. The noise was not a war, it was celebrating. Having a good time. Partying. And God was furious. They were worshiping the calf. Here we find, even Aaron tries to legitimize it later on where he says, well, we'll worship the Lord tomorrow. Folks, that is what the church has done today. 
the tragedy of the U.S. churches. There's a huge split in many denominations today because churches have given themselves over to this compromise. Bodie Bachman. If you ever listen to him, he's a strong evangelical black raised in L.A. Tough neighborhood. But he calls it straight. He said, when was it that the 10th After the 10th commandment, there was 11th commandment for Christians, thou shalt be nice. Putting up with this kind of stuff that is going on today. We're living in a a generation right now of the generation of the absurd. That's what it is. That when we say to children at eight years old, well, what do you want to be, a boy or a girl? They don't even know if they want Fruit Loops or they want Raisin Bran in the morning for breakfast. That's the tragedy. And the thing is that parents are falling in line to this. And that also administrators feel like their hands are tied. They're not standing for what is right. And what has happened is in religion... Many have wanted to combine religion. I've seen it in many circles that I've been through. We're coming up on the National Day of Prayer coming up in May. And we'll see it. Washington Plaza. All the gathering and all the religions will come. Several years ago, there was a gal by the name of Tina Turner who was invited to speak and sing. And she summarized it where she said, I'm a Buddhist and a Baptist. (laughs) I don't know how that came about. But she said, I believe in the Ten Commandments also. And that as long as you feel a consciousness of something, that's your God. And yet we hear from this God that says, I'm a jealous God. Visiting the iniquities on the third and fourth generation, that's the God. He's jealous for our hearts because he knows that he is the way. Jesus Christ came to this earth not to just be a good example to everybody. He came first and foremost to die for man's sin, to be the perpetuation and the sacrifice for our sins. And all the other religions, all 3,800 ones that we know of, only one has a Savior who came and died for his people. And that's Jesus Christ. You know, Eastern religion, for instance, Buddhism, Confucianism. Those are not religions, they're psychology. They don't even have a concept of an afterlife. You're just putting yourself into flow. Hinduism has a playthreon of religions. The other day I ran into a guy who was from India. And he was a Hindu. And he told me he, he, he believed in Jesus Christ too. Along with the other millions of gods that he believes in. See, and this is the world that we are in right now. And we oftentimes find people want to get along, and that's fine. But the thing is that the truth has to come out. And Christianity is the only place where Jesus Christ 
died for man's sin. Not Brahma. Not Muslim God Allah. In fact, they're not sure whether or not even if they've lived this perfect life as a, as, as a Muslim, that they're going to get into heaven. And they're going to not burn in eternal hell. But Jesus Christ assures us. And to say that we're the same religion, and some people will say, we're the same, we believe in the same God. No, we don't. We have to be honest with our friends about that. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Peter said that there's no other name in other heaven and earth where you can be saved but Jesus Christ. That's who we are. And believe me, it doesn't make friends. But it is the truth that people need to hear if we're going to be honest about it. And here the children of Israel were partying. Aaron was leading the charge. And they're blending, trying to make it all work together, and it's not going to work. As the Bible had told us, that God had already said, He's a jealous God. He can be jealous because He's perfectly in love with us, and there's nothing that should stand in the way between us and Him. And when that happens, He becomes jealous for our souls. We need to understand that. And that we can't compromise that. I know the world wants to. And you see, it's all part of our man fallenness. Rather than trusting what God says. Now they're patient waiting on him. No, it's sometimes it's easy for man to devise a different way other than God's. And it doesn't work. In fact, John Calvin once said, the heart is an idol maker. (laughs) It says it's an idol factory. And here we see how that happens. You know, it's interesting, but a lot of people don't think that we have idolatry today. (laughs) Yes, we don't have golden calves that we worship visibly. But there's golden calves that easily enter into our hearts. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Make us gods. That's what they did. Their fallen nature desired it. And now we find the justice of God, though. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down to your people. Whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. God is describing who we are. We're fallen, sinful nature. We are corrupted. And the people around them, they've also allowed themselves to be corrupted even more. They have turned aside out of the way that I have commanded them, and they have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said... These are our gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of God, out of Egypt. They're not even given God the honor that he deserved. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. 
And behold, it is a stiff-necked people. They don't want to bend. They don't want to think about God. They have their mind made up. Now, therefore, let me alone. And these are chilling words. That my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. Now, there's a lot packed into that verse. And what we have seen is incredible. The ink hadn't even dried on the covenant and the commandments, and already they have turned away from God. The Israelites started fashioning and following God. And you see, the root of their problem was their sin. They wanted something tangible to hold on to. They wanted to be like the other nations and have a God that they could hold on to. Stiff-necked. Sinners. Rebellious. And here, God lays it out to them. He says to Moses, this is what we're going to do. I've seen the people. What they're doing. Their disobedience. And this is going to have negative consequences and you're going to need to tell them that. Let them know what I'm thinking. That my wrath may burn hot against them. That I can consume them. People don't take sin seriously in our culture. Even in the church. God gets pretty upset about it. He so was upset that he had to send his own son to die for it, to forgive it. To satisfy the justice in his heart that it deserves. So it can be paid in full. People don't understand how this grace that we have in Jesus Christ was very costly to God. And that we're justified by not keeping the law. The law shows us that we fail. Here, again, God knew that they would fail. And God vents to Moses what he's feeling, how angry this makes him for following other gods. He wants to consume them. And yet God shows us something different. You know, today, a lot of people don't think that we have idol worship. But idolatry is anything that takes the place of God in our lives. John Piper wrote this. He's a pastor from Minnesota. He says, it starts with our hearts. Craving, wanting, enjoying, being satisfied by anything that you treasure more than God. That's an idol. And when we think about this, I, 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 in my meditation and reading this, there were some questions that an author had given. And it really makes you think. Do I love or treasure anything or anyone more than God? Do I prioritize anything or anyone before God? Does anything bring me more pleasure than the things of God? 
Do I place my identity in anything over my status as a child of God? Do I look to anything or anyone who meets the needs instead of God? Do I seek fulfillment and satisfaction from anything outside of God? Do I seek comfort outside of God? And you may be thinking that there are a few things that maybe that could happen in our hearts, in our minds. And that modern, modern idolatry is very alive, even in our hearts. Ed Stelcher talked about it, and he said, idolatry is alive and well today. Tim Keller wrote a beautiful book called Counterfeit Gods and how all these things that are so good in our life can easily become substitutes of satisfaction rather than God. If we watch, don't watch it. And how easy we can fall into habits of making those our God and satisfaction rather than God. Sometimes identity can be that way. We're so proud of what we've become and what people look at us and what they think of and our abilities and skills and yet are our achievements. Have they all become before God? Money. We know the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not the problem. It's the way we handle it in our hearts. And how easy that tool that God has given us to be able to do things for His glory and move ahead and help our families can become a problem. When we see the market down, we can get depressed about it. And then our job status. Satisfaction with what job we have and who we are and what we do. That's all part of our identity and it can easily become an idol. How about in our society of physical appearances? How much money is spent by the advertisers just to get people to buy all the stuff to enhance us? Or the amount of time that people spend in gyms. And yet, has that become more important to them than knowing their Lord? And entertainment. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing how people put their house and their lives around what's on Netflix or what's come out or sports. <laughs> You know, the chiefs, it can easily, and these are good things, they're nice things, they're blessings from God. But they can easily slip into becoming more important than God in our lives if we let them. Sometimes when you get retired too, or in all of life, is comfort can become a God. We look forward to having the comfort things, not being disrupted and having peace and not having to worry and have things taken care of for us. It brings a comfortable lifestyle. We talk about comfortable lifestyles. 
And then the phone, of course, technology. Oh, my goodness. How easy that can consume us. How it can take so much out of us. How much it can become a priority to us. I was watching a girl the other day, and she was at the traffic light with her head buried like this. And I know she was watching my car, and as I pulled away, she pulled with me and didn't pick her head up. We had a girl the other day who flipped her car over. Why? Because she was going down the highway at 60 miles an hour like this. And that can be easily come. You know, I sit there sometimes and Dave, that stupid message, you didn't need to read that now? What are you thinking? You could kill somebody. If you want to see how much it becomes part of your life, go on to your app and your settings and look up screen time and see how much time you spend on that phone. Is it hours? And then we think of family and children, which are wonderful things. But they easily can become before God. We have to be so careful. Because our hearts can go that way if we don't watch it. And that we can be wind up glorifying this gift of a child that we've been given. Rather than glorifying the one who gave it. See, idolatry makes something other than God, God. Now we can easily give ourselves so much to them that it almost can become like worship. We only give one God. And you know, it's so easy for people to do it and us to do it consciously, but a lot of times it's unconscious. And that we can take things and make them replace God. And we need to be so careful. Thomas, after Jesus rose from the dead and he did not see him yet, his big thing was, I got to touch him. And when he finally did see Christ physically, he didn't need to touch him. But that was his, basically his idol. And we need not allow ourselves because we can easily corrupt ourselves and lose a real intimacy with God. Because we quickly have easily allow something else to take its place. And we have to remember that we're stubborn, just like the Israelites. That we're fallen. And sometimes that attracts us. And that easily can separate us from a deep relationship with God. Can even threaten us. In our relationship with God. And what we see here is God says to Moses, leave me alone. Now God is really testing and tempting Moses here. He's 
challenging Moses. I wouldn't say tempting, but he's challenging Moses. Because he really wants to see how Moses really loved these people. You see, because I don't believe God was going to wipe them out. But I believe God told Moses to tell the people that because of how mad that idolatry got to God. How wrong that was. And it can easily he could have consumed them. But instead, and he even says to Moses, I could consume them and make a people of my own doing out of your stock. But Moses doesn't buy that. Instead, he pleads for the children of Israel. And he goes to God. And he speaks for them on behalf. And we hear the words, but Moses implored the Lord, his God, and said, O God, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with might hand, mighty hand? Here he's saying, God, look at the awesome thing you did for these people. Look at how great you are. And you're going to allow this to come between you and them? You are too awesome for that. And then verse 12, he says, Why should the Egyptians say, God, with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? The Egyptians would say, Look, God just brought them out of there because he was going to turn and burn them. But instead, he says, Remember, turn from your anger. And relent from the disaster of these people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Your servants you promised? You don't change on your promises, God. You don't change on your promises to your people. You don't change on your promises to them that you made many years ago. That you would multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. And all the land that I have promised, I will give you your offspring. And they shall inherit it forever. That's who you are, God. That's the awesome God you are. That's the greatness that you are. And yet you'll give them a second chance. And the Lord, it says, relented from the disaster. Now, God does not change. It looks like he changed, but he doesn't. He knew that Moses would go on behalf of them. He knew that he wasn't going to destroy them because he had made those promises. But he shows Moses as a leader here who really loved the people and gave himself fully to them. Even his own personal blessing doesn't come in the way of that. Instead, it's based on God's glory. He says, your greatness, God, shows us here that you do not change and you will provide all the things you said to the children of Israel and that you do. 
and God does. The leaders who led them down the wrong path, they would pay. They knew better. And that the children of Israel too would not have him in the camp anymore, but would be outside of the camp. It grieved them so that they gave up everything that they had for the temple, for the tabernacle. And that God would stay outside the camp. And what God showed them is this idolatry, this sin of idolatry is so dangerous that even I would say that I'd even wipe you out. But he doesn't. His anger, the Bible says, can last for a nighttime. But his grace and love for eternity. Because of his great love, he doesn't wipe them out. He gives them the forgiveness. He tells Moses to guard, leading them again. Wants them to share in his glory. That's the great hope we have. And he renews his covenant with them to a new beginning, moving towards the promised land. And that even though their violation was so egregious, by his grace he forgave them. And let them know that they were going to achieve his purposes. But they are to walk in his ways. And they struggled with that, like we do. It's not easy not allowing things to become idols in our lives. It's not easy sometimes not allowing ourselves to be nice when we need to be truthful. And yet we need to do that if we really love God and love our neighbor. <clears throat> and that we above all, that as Proverbs says in Proverbs 4.23, above all, guard your heart from everything that can easily contaminate it. Because from your heart flows the things of life. And we have to continue to watch over and guard our hearts. Because it can easily take us down. When I was a young man, I used to play at my cousin's house in Patterson, New Jersey. Their house was on the corner, but it was kind of in a semi-industrial park. And <clears throat> what had happened was, back in the 60s, we didn't know anything about the EPA. And <clears throat> what happened was, there was a dye shop and a chemical shop north of their house. They lived on the hill, and they were at the bottom. 
And you know, sometimes we hear about certain sprays and stuff we can't use because we get it. And then we get annoyed about the EPA. Well, I don't usually do that because of my experience with this. And their house lived also on a river that abutted the Passaic River. And across the Passaic River was an industrial park. And Patterson was known for its dye of making shirts and clothing and dyeing their clothing and stuff. But what would happen there, both with those dye shops and also with the printing press, when they had stuff left over, they just opened the back door and dumped it out into the ground. And also the big mills across the river were dumping all their excesses into the river. In those days, we didn't know much about that. But what happened was, I remember my aunt, who was 32, who lived there her married life. She wound up dying of cancer at 32. Her daughter, cousin Marilyn, died at 32. Their son, Benny, died of cancer at 42. And their oldest son, Harold, died at 53 from cancer. Because you see, and now they know, that land was contaminated by the toxins that were being put into the soil and was slowly killing them. And folks, today God comes to us and says, guard your heart. Guard your heart against the idols that we can easily create inside of our hearts. And guard your heart about compromising the truth that God has for people in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you that you've given us the truth. It's all there for us. And yet sometimes it's hard for us to follow. And sometimes it happens that we easily don't even understand we're being contaminated by the society we live in. But Lord, I just pray that you'll help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to walk in your ways, to watch out that we don't get contaminated, both us and our families, and fall into the patterns of this world rather than in your truth. Jesus, help us to be able to do that in our own lives and in those that we love around us. It's in your name we pray, Christ. Amen. Please rise for the benediction. Now go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit abide in you this week. Amen. New